Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Good evening, everybody. It is Friday, October 21st, 2022. It is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio podcast, and we have a lot to discuss here tonight. We are right in the thick of the 2022 MLB playoffs. Uh, got the Yankees and, of course, uh, the Astros going at it. Uh, of course, on the National League side, the Phillies and the Padres. NFL season continuing on. We are just uh, about the third, one-third point of the NFL season. Trades going down in the NFL. Um, you know, a lot of stuff there to talk about. NASCAR news to talk about here tonight uh, with uh, Bubba Wallace and, of course, the chase for the Cup. And then, of course, uh, Alan will have, I believe, some boxing news. I don't want to promise that because I don't see that in my notes here. But he will tell us that later on in the show as, uh, as we roll on here tonight. Alan, of course, uh, is with us. And, uh, Alan, good evening. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Really glad to be on another episode of the Allen Aaron Sports and Credit Show. Really love this show. Really love our listeners. Absolutely. It's been a fun uh, fun ride here these last uh, couple of years. And I was just saying to you a few moments ago, you know, it's hard to believe that we're already almost at the end of October. In fact, next Friday will be our final uh, October show for this year. And we only have two months uh, left, uh, you know, in 2022. And, you know, you think about it, we're going to have, uh, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's where we won't be on. So, you know, we, we're less than 10 shows, I think, left uh, in this year. So we've got a, a lot of ground to cover in the 10, 10 episodes or so um, that we'll have here. And I uh, want to get right to it here tonight. Um, what do you want to kick off with here this evening? Yeah, definitely what we'll do is we'll pay our respects to Tony Brown, long-term great referee and coach. He unfortunately passed away this week, so we'll have a moment of silence for the late, great Tony Brown. All right, and definitely wanted to go ahead and thank our great sponsor. Definitely want to thank Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. So definitely thank you, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, for being a great sponsor. And definitely, if you are interested Please pick up a four-pack at flbbqsauce.com. Again, it's flbbqsauce.com. Thank you, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, doing big things, big events. Check them out there at his website. And, yeah, yeah uh, you – Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, with, with his Florida Barbecue Sauce, I just want to tell our listeners, too, it does not limit it to Florida. I know uh, a few months back he uh, sent his first order up there to – uh, to the great state of Alaska. So anywhere in the United States, I believe, he'll ship. Um, so definitely get yourself uh, that four-pack uh, as we approach the holiday season. It's definitely a good gift to give. Awesome. You're right about that. <laughs> it's real good stuff. Yeah, they won't forget that. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I wanted to start with what you were asking me a question about the Yankees and – I'll say, um, how, you know, what's their fate of, was the question was, what's the fate about the Yankees? And I'd have to say that I think that the Yankees are in a whole heap of trouble right now. I really do. 
And for a few reasons, number one, I do feel as if Houston is a better team than the Yankees. I feel as if the Yankees have some heavy hitters, but I feel like the Astros have that, plus they have guys that can manufacture runs. They just have, and they have guys who have a lot of experience, playoff experience. Plus they have Verlander who's playing like a guy who's, who's a rookie in his first year. And they had 17 strikeouts to two. And yes, I agree with one thing that the Yankees did criticize. Verlander was getting all of the borderline calls. I agree. You don't have to help out Verlander. But when you're cruising like that, the Yankees weren't taking good swings anyway. It was like a man pitching against little leaguers. It really was. So the Yankees needed to at least win the second game, I felt, to really be in this series. The fact that they lost both games in Houston to a team who I mentioned is better, the only chance they have is that they sweep the next three games at home because even two out of three, I don't feel as as if it's going to be good enough to at least win the series. The Yankees are in a whole heap of trouble. I give them about a 30, 35% chance of winning the series at this point. And I say game three is a must win. I normally wouldn't say that in most series, but I feel like game three is a must win. If you don't win game three, the series is over. It's a, it's a wrap. It's going to be a clean sweep, in my opinion, if they don't win game three. But, um, yeah, they're in a whole heap of trouble, and that's saying it from a Yankee fan. What are your thoughts, Aaron? I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think that the Astros are a juggernaut in a lot of ways. I mean, this is a team that they've been there, you know, the last six years. Uh, they've, um, you know, obviously won well over 100 games. Uh, if they make it to the World Series this year, this will be four times in a six-year span, or even a, I think it may be a five-year span. That they're in uh, in the World Series, and look, here's the thing. Uh, I just I feel like their pitching is a lot better. I said this going into the playoffs for all teams. You got to have that hot pitching when the playoffs start. You can't suddenly find it when the playoffs begin. You got to have it going in. And really, the, you know, aside from you know a couple hits here, a couple hits there, they they've been un, 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 unable to touch any of Houston's pitching in this series. And I think it goes back really to. They had to play from behind in that series against the Guardians. That you know they were down two games to one. You were in a must-win situation, and you think differently. It's kind of like an animal being you know backed into a corner. You, you, you fight differently when you're in that position. So we'll see if that translates over here to being down two games to none. The benefit they have is they're going back to a home crowd for the next three games if it makes it that far. But you're absolutely right. This is a must-win for New York. I think that uh, they lose this game. You know, it's only happened one time where a team came back from a three games to none deficit, and I just don't see any life in this Yankee, uh, you know, lineup right now. They're they're not doing a whole heck of a lot. And credit the Astros. I mean, look, they've pitched extremely well. And you're absolutely right, Verlander, who's 39, uh, pitched as good a game as he's ever pitched in the playoffs. And um, you know, Houston is in a really really good position right now. Now the question that I did pose to you right before we came on the air is, you know, if you think about this, you go back to the last two managers prior to Aaron Boone, so Joe Torre in 1996, and, of course, uh, Joe Girardi took over in 2008. Both of those guys won a World Series in their first one or two years. One first year for Torre, second year, of course, in 09 for Joe Girardi. We've yet to see that out of Aaron Boone in his, uh, I think he's been there five years now. Is Aaron Boone potentially managing his last few games as the Yankee manager and 
to get a little bit of perspective on that and also answer that question from a third party. Tonight we're going to bring on our good buddy Lou and see what he has to say. Lou, what are your thoughts on uh, on where the Yankees are right you now? You know, and... actually, Bill, I'm not surprised by this at all. I'm not surprised because I said it's going to be a tough series. I've said to all friends and other sports uh, colleagues or anything, this is not going to be any serious Yankees to win. If they're going to win, they have to go the distance the full seven. So am I surprised by this that they lost the first two games in Houston? No, not at all. Because we're better at home, we're going to go for three games, and we're better, and we're better there. And we can stop for a winner there. So this series is far from over. But it's going to take, you know, a lot of team effort and whatnot. But we can we can pull this up, but we have to go the distance to do it. All right. So at least my man Lou gave me some positive, positive statements because the way they looked in Houston did not look good at all. It was not a good look. It was almost like, are you sure that this is the team that's supposed to play in ALCLS? I mean, but – you're right. You got up a great point. One thing that's going to change is not only are the Yankees at home, the weather. The weather was so nice in Houston. They had the roof open, beautiful weather. Then you come here to New York where it's cold. It's harder to grip the ball, and things things do change. So that is positive. They have to win. They have to win tomorrow's game, though. I I think that's okay. It, this is this team here is not like the Red Sox team that the Red Sox team that won four straight. I felt as if when the series started, they actually were better than the Yankees. When it was better was that they could manufacture runs. They had a lot of speed. They didn't swing at balls out of the strike zone. To me, they were a much better complete team. And yes, I could see them winning four straight, no problem. This Yankees team, I don't know if they can win four straight against the against Houston. Like you said, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to show up. They're gonna have to. I, I say game three is is yeah. a must win. You think it's a must win, uh, Lou? No, I I don't. I don't think it's a must win. I mean, they, you know, it would help though if they could. I don't think it's a as a must win. I mean, everybody says game three is a must win. But these are the two best teams in the American League all season, you know. So I'm, you know, and I was I was expecting this. So, but because I'm honestly think to change uh, by tomorrow, you know, if they don't win, okay, yeah, backs against the wall. But look, if the Red Sox can do it, we can do it too. No question. So, you know, and the Mets almost did it in '99. Yeah, they did. And then uh, Houston, I think it was uh, two years ago. Atlanta. They were. Well, no, two years ago against um, against uh, the Rays, they were down three games to under Tampa in the uh, ALCS and nearly nearly came back and forced the seventh game. So my other question that I asked uh, to, to uh, Alan here a couple moments ago, I'll ask it to you as well. If the Yankees, especially if they get swept in this series, is Aaron Boone, you know, is he on the hot seat? Is he potentially looking for a new job or are the Yankees possibly searching for yeah, a new manager? Possibly. I agree, Lou. I think and quite possibly he's going to do it. But the thing about, I think they would probably want to get him, you know, get him out of there. But finding a replacement in New York is not that easy. A lot of people cannot handle that media, that attention, the scrutiny. Oh, no. You understand? Someone might be able to manage, but are they going to be much better than, than Aaron Boone? At least Aaron Boone can handle the media. He can handle the criticism. 
He knows it, it, none of that stuff bothers him. He knows he knows the culture. Somebody from the outside. What about Don you know? Don Manley would be a great choice, you know, because he, he knows New Yorkers. He knows he can handle the criticism. It, it's it's a different it's a it's a different beast. Don Manley could do it. I think somebody like that could. That would probably be really cool for Don Manley to come back and manage the Yankees. But there's not too many people like Don Manley. No, no, and if you look at the common denominator of uh, the last. Uh... Uh, a couple managers uh, that the Yankees have had, it's been a former player. Now, Aaron Boone wasn't there terribly long. He was only there for, I don't think he was even there a full season. Uh, he ended up going to Cleveland, I think, after he recovered from that injury um, that happened in the 03 04 offseason. So that was a, a very brief uh, amount of time there. Uh, but look, Joe Girardi played for the Yankees for a number of years and uh, obviously uh, you know, had a successful managerial stint. And so, you know, Mattingly obviously I think would be a fan favorite pick if there was to be a change there. Obviously he was, you know, a uh, fan favorite for 15 years as a first baseman. And it's kind of ironic that all the success the Yankees have had since he left happened, you know, right after he left uh, essentially. So yeah. um, I, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a, a home run pick for them to, to go with him as their next skipper. Now we're jumping the gun here a little bit. I, I don't know that Aaron Boone's on his way out. I just feel like, you know, yeah. five seasons as this team's manager, that's that's usually the, the leash is, is getting pretty short at this point, especially when you consider they haven't even made it to a World Series. They've spent a heck of a lot of money on, you know, a lot of players over the time. money is not going to make your team a win World Series, though. No, no, no. I agree. I, I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that they, they have spent a lot of money, and unfortunately they haven't had right a whole lot of return in that time. So, And that's a great point. But one thing, with all the money they spent, they could still win this series, like Lou said, but I still feel as if Houston has a better team. I think at the end of the day, Houston still has a better team. No, I, I agree. And I'll, I'll even go back to last year. I mean, when, when we played uh, the Astros in the World Series, I, you know, I, I told people this, you know, this whole year went by so quickly, being the defending World Series champions and then getting knocked out in the, the first round. But I, I think back to a year ago, and for me, you know, for my team, and I know Yankee fans are probably in a similar position right now, thinking, hey, this might be the end here in the next few days. I really felt like just getting to the playoffs was an accomplishment and then somehow making it past the first yeah. round and then beating the Dodgers, which was a very difficult series. I felt if we could beat the Dodgers, we could beat the Astros, but I felt like Houston had a better team, not because yeah. every single player was better, but because they'd been there a few times in the past. This is a team that kind of like the Dodgers have been there several times in the past. And, you know, sometimes that experience of how to handle the media, how to handle the, uh, you know, the, 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 the star, you know, stuff going on on the field and, you know, the, the you know, the, how the scrutiny. the scrutiny, everything goes along with it. So, you know, you have that extra time. You go back to the nineties, Atlanta didn't win their first world series until they'd been there the third time. So it's yeah. the same kind of thing where you, you sometimes, Sometimes teams get lucky and they do win, but um, sometimes a really good team over a, several times making it there. Look at the Dodgers. They won eight, seven or eight division titles in a row, and they've only won one World Series in that time. So it, it's kind of a similar and thing there. And he's in this playoff. Yeah, and I, I want to get your um, I want to get your thoughts on that. From, actually, from both of you here, I'll start with you, Lou. Um, and I know that we probably won't have enough data to really 
be able to talk about this as much as we want to probably for another five years. I think five years is probably a fairly good sample size, but you have both teams in the National League that were number one and number two seeds. They lose in the first round, and then, of course, both teams in the American League, um, they make it beyond. What are your thoughts on that? You know, let's, let's say we fast forward to five years, and more than 40% of the first two seeds in each league are out in the mm-hmm. first round. Does that does that indicate to you that Major League Baseball needs to change something in this format, or or does that not matter? I think it matters. All I can say is one thing. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> I, you know what? I I don't think there's anything wrong with the format. You know, even with the Yankees and well, they're my team. Like, I don't like the you know dragging into November. I mean that I don't like. I mean you know you want my opinion. You know, cut the regular season to like 140 games. So we can get the playoffs over with and get this before November gets here. Because playing in November is be brutal. Yeah, I agree. And also, I don't think there's anything wrong with the format because even as a Yankees fan where their team usually makes it to the playoffs, the first series is always if you don't win the, you know, if you don't win the division and get the first round by, the first series where it's the shortest series is always tough to get to get to get out of there playing. If you can I always felt as if the Yankees get past the first series, the divisional series, they'll be in great shape. Because to me, that's a brutal series right there. The shorter series, you got to bring your A game. Anybody yeah. can win three games in a row. If the four games, I would say only the better teams can win four in a row in a playoff series. Well, but four in a row is tough to do, to be honest. Four, it is. Very tough to do. Right. But three in a row is a lot more feasible. You understand? Like, yeah. almost every team that makes it to the playoffs can win three games in a row. But not every team that makes it to the playoffs can win four games in a row against the same opponent. So it makes a difference. But I think this format doesn't need changing. Those are the breaks, man. You know, even in NBA it happens. You win. You win. Even in NFL it happens. You win a division. You don't get the first round by. Let's say you don't get you're not the number one seed. You're the number two seed or the number three seed. There's no guarantees. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Well, no. So let me ask you this: Did it did it, it did it give an advantage to the teams that? And I'm only asking this because 50, literally 50 percent of the top seeds were out and the other two were in, the other 50% were in. So did it give an advantage to uh, the Phillies or the Padres, who both knocked off teams that won over 100 games this year, did it give both of those clubs an advantage to continue to play and not have really much time off between the regular season ending, that three-game series they played uh, against the Cardinals or the Mets, depending on which team it was? Did it give them an advantage in that divisional series against the Dodgers and the Braves? No. I'll start with you, Alan. I, I don't. I don't think it did. I really don't. You know, uh, when you're playing, I think you actually have an advantage in a way that only because you're still in the moment. Even Derek Jeter said, "A day, one day off is good. That's about all you need because you're still moving in the right direction." 
you're still playing. It's like every day you come in. It's like it's like a routine. But I, I don't think I don't buy the notion that the best teams lost in the first round. We had to change the format. I don't I don't buy that. So you don't think they had? I'm not saying necessarily an advantage. You don't think it benefited them to? Uh, and I'm, I'm referring to, of course, uh, both. San Diego and Philadelphia. You don't think it benefited either one of those teams to continue to play without really any time off. You look at Atlanta, you look at the Dodgers, both those teams had a full week between their final regular season game and then their first postseason game. You don't think it benefited either one of the, the two teams that won those series, San Diego or Philadelphia? I don't I don't really think so. I really don't. No. I, I really don't think it really benefited them because you know Time off is is not a bad thing. In certain cases, you might get healthy, but I just think that when it comes to that shorter series, you gotta you gotta kind of get out the gate real fast, faster than you do at the four game series. You gotta get out the gates real fast because any team can win three games in a row when you make it to that point. And that was a Joe Torre line. Joe Torre said that and. That stuck in my head. He goes, you know what? Every team in this series at this point can win three games in a row. I was like, you know what? He's right. Every team in the playoffs at this point can win three games in a row in the divisional series. And he's absolutely right. Four games is tougher. So it comes down basically in that best of five series, you got to win three yeah. games first, of course. Uh, basically comes down to whoever gets hot, whoever doesn't make many mistakes, and also who takes advantage of those mistakes. I look at the Atlanta series with – Philadelphia, Atlanta actually, believe it or not, they nearly came back in one game one. They were down seven to one, I believe, and they scored uh, five runs between the uh, eighth and ninth innings combined. That could have changed the whole trajectory of that series because they did win game two. So if you're up two games to none going into Philadelphia, you know, granted they did lose both the games in Philadelphia, but you at least pushed that to a fifth game and you never know what can happen in a winner-take-all final game. Um, but your point is absolutely spot on there, I would say, in, in that, you know, you got to get hot at the right time and you got to take advantage of those mistakes. And when you consider you left a lot of guys on base and, you know, those, uh, those situations uh, typically are, are going to be the things that cost you the series. And I'll, I'll point this out here. Um, the reason why Atlanta lost that series, because I've had a lot of people ask me that question, is very simple. They didn't take advantage of the, the opportunities Philadelphia gave them, because Philadelphia certainly gave them a lot. And Philadelphia took advantage of pretty much every situation that Atlanta gave them walks, uh, you know, uh, extra base runners, blunders in the field. They had a couple of bad uh, throws. They led us some extra base runners. And Philadelphia pretty much took advantage of every single situation there. Um, and then on the other side, the Dodgers just never really, they never really figured it out, um, which, you know, is surprising because that team went 111 games. And, I mean, the pitching they had, you had – three guys that had uh, sub two and a half ERAs with over yeah. 15 wins. And I would have, I honestly would have picked the Dodgers going into the playoffs, looking at the record yeah. and how good they were. I would have picked LA, but, and I got to ask you this too, because I know that the manager position has changed a lot in the last 20 or 25 years, really in the last 10 years, especially with analytics and that sort of stuff. I thought that the way that, uh, that Dave Roberts managed in that series, there were some blunders that kind of reminded me of uh, Kevin Cash in the World Series a couple of years ago, where he, you know, pulled his starter in the sixth inning, and it was just like he's on a roll. Go with your gut. Don't go with the analytics. I understand why you have those things there, 
that seems like that's a better thing to do in season versus in the playoffs where sometimes that stuff doesn't pay off. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I think when you get to the playoffs, that's a great question. When you get to the playoffs, I think you've got to flip a switch and say, okay, the hundred or plus wins I have don't mean squat anymore. It's a new exactly. season. It's a new beginning. I have to come out here and execute and take every pitch seriously. I have to be on my P's and Q's, be offensive-minded, be aggressive, and you just got to go out there and try to win every single game, literally win every single game. You have to have that go-getter mentality because you can't be like, okay, I got, you know, baseball tomorrow or the day after. No, you got to come out there and win every game, and it's, it's win or go home, literally. That's it. Forget about what you did in the season. You made it. You're in. It's a new season. It's a new beginning. You got to do like – in the NBA, I love what they do. They have like that – the count, 26 games, or, you know, when they go down to when you have the last four games, you know, because if you keep winning, you basically get – you go count down for 26 I, I, and because once you win all those games, you, you're the champion. You got to think like that when you're, major, when you're in baseball. Hey, whatever the count is, let's see, four, four, and you, you have to win 11 games. You know, if you, yeah. if you are, are a team that, that won the, at least uh, one of the higher up seeds, you have to win basically 11 games. You have to count that 11. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's how it's going to go. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, those – you got to think like that. You have to have that mentality because it's – it's you know, you could have won 120 of two games. It doesn't matter. You have to show up and play because it, we've seen that, that the team that wins the division does – and some teams do better during the regular season. Some teams do better during the postseason. I'd rather do better during the postseason. Very good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My question to Ludo is this. Verlander said that he wants to pitch to – he wants to do like Tom Brady, pitch to 45. He's 39 now. Yeah, I know. He was – how many more years do you think he has? Three. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, two or three, because – I mean, this guy was just throwing filthy stuff. Not just not just fastballs. He was just placing everything great. I'm like this guy got at least two to three more years of very very good baseball ahead of him. He, you know, he takes care of himself. Two or three years, definitely. I mean, yes, it can make a difference if you lose a mile per hour off the fastball. But I kind of look at him as a hard throwing, like like Aaron said, Nolan Ryan, where. He's very smart, and he knows where, what pitch to throw you, how to throw it. So even if he is off of a mile or two off the fastball or curveball, it's not going to make that big a difference because he still keeps you guessing. That way you're talking about Justin Verlander, right? Yeah. Okay, I thought you told Justin Bieber. No, just, just, just kidding. <laughs> no, no that's, that's a reference to Shane Bieber. He says, don't call me Justin. So I had to, I had to throw that in. <laughs> oh, boy, that was bad. Yeah, I, I thought I, now, Shane, don't call me Justin Bieber. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think wow. that Verlander can pitch potentially another five years, and I think the way he's going to have to do it is five? 
I, I, well, let me let me kind of elaborate on what I mean by that. I think he's going to have to kind of pull what Roger Clemens did towards the end of his career, where he doesn't necessarily play the entire season. He maybe has a pitch limit early in the year, okay. or he doesn't doesn't sign until you know June, and he only plays basically half the season. I think that could prolong his career. That's if he wants to do it. I mean, he's got a lot of things outside of the game that he can get into. He's no doubt a Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't think there's any question. Oh, yeah. He can never throw another yeah. pitch again. He's right, going straight right. to the Hall. So. They were saying that he's already a Hall of Famer during that game, so <laughs> he's got that locked up. Yeah, but barring any foolishness that he does off the field, he's got the, the Hall of Fame locked up. Yeah. yeah. So, Luke, what you got um, cooking up your well, of course, you know we're going to be talking the playoffs. Of course, the NL, the NL and ALCS uh, will come down to a best of five. We'll come down to a sweep. We'll wait and see. Uh, we'll also cover the NBA's first week. Uh, and NHL continues our college and football predictions. I think we're going to start looking at some injury reports because the NFL injury list has been going through the roof this season. So I think we better take care of that as well. And we got some UFC, UFC so we you know. All works and everything. Uh, the show is, of course, about 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. You might want to call in this week because there might be some changes coming to the show. Um, I'll, I'll explain it uh, next week if they uh, do get developed. So you might want to call in. Uh, the number is 512-543-4662. I'll say that again, 512-543-4662. I should be safe. You know, I don't think anybody's getting uh, canned or anything. But there are so many changes that uh, could be made to the show. Okay. I hope it's good changes there. Like I said, I don't think anybody's getting axed, but there may be a way in how we're, the way we run the show uh, might be changed. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, definitely I know that you're going to persevere. I will, I, will, I will tell you um, if uh, the full details next week. All right, so I'm gonna hold you to we that. We don't know because we don't know the full results yet ourselves. Yeah. No worries, but definitely call in four to six p.m. Lou, the Enhanced Sports Show. Eastern time, five, people. Eastern time. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Five one two five four three four six six two. Five one two five four three four six six two. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Four to six p.m. Definitely support Lou. We really appreciate you, Lou. You're welcome. You have a great weekend. Thank you, Lou. Have a great weekend. <laughs> All right. That's a great, great friend and call host. Uh, Lou, definitely, uh, definitely Lou. He calls in all the time. Really appreciate Lou. Appreciate having him on the show, his expertise, and, of course, uh, the Enhanced Sports Show, which he does now on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, here Um Definitely, we encourage you all, if you're listening to our program, to give him a listen in as well. And uh, to stay on the theme of Major League Baseball, right now it looks like the Phillies are up 4-2 to two on the Padres. I believe they're heading into the fifth inning now there in Philadelphia. That series is tied at one game apiece. We were just talking about managers. I want to get your uh, thoughts on this. This uh, news broke out earlier this afternoon. Uh, three-time World Series winning manager uh, with the San Francisco Giants, Bruce Bochy, today accepted the manager job with the Texas Rangers. Rangers have spent a lot of money the last couple of years trying to uh, build their club back into a contender. Um, 
I like Bruce Bochy. He did a great job when he was in San Diego all those years ago, took on the Giants job in, I think, 2007, and they, they won three World Series in a four- or five-year span, uh, you know, 2010, 2012, and I think 2014, um, before uh, his uh, quote-unquote retirement happened a few years ago. Uh, how do you feel about uh, him taking a, a job, maybe in an organization that hasn't had the expectations that some of the other ones have had? Yeah, I think that's a great fit. Bruce Bochy is a very, very good manager. He's well-experienced. As you mentioned, three rings. He's also managed, you know, big, big egos like Barry Bonds, you know. So I think it's a great move for him to go to Texas. I think they're picking up a, a very, very good manager. He's a player's manager, too. So well-respected around the league. I think it's a great fit for, for Bruce. And Congratulations on his new hire there, the Texas Rangers. They just got to find some pieces. You know, what about the Texas Rangers? They like to get the one superstar, but don't understand that you need to have other guys too. And, you know, example of that would be Alex Rodriguez. But I, I like to hire, I think, Bruce Bochy is a very, very good manager. Yeah, I would liken this uh, to, and I don't know where the the Rangers farm system stands. I know they've picked up a couple of big pieces the last couple of years for the you know for the big league club. I would kind of liken this to where the Mets hired Buck Showalter. You go with that experienced guy. I think this is going to set the expectations in Texas very high. Which the difficult thing about that, in my mind, is this: Houston obviously is in that division. They they're not going anywhere. Um, you got Seattle now, who is going to be strong for a lot of years. They've got a lot of good young talent there. And what we just saw them do this year, I think they're going to be doing year in and year out for the next several years. You know, the Angels are still there. They've got uh, some areas that they can improve in. I don't think they're going to be a contender necessarily right uh, right away this next year. But Oakland, you know, they're a young team. And I think they're probably at least a year or so away from of being a, a real threat in that division. So this is not an easy division uh, by any stretch. It's not like you have just two teams. You've got two other clubs on the other side um, that are kind of in the same boat that Texas is in. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. Talk about needing some pieces. Texas needs pitching. And that shouldn't be a hard thing to figure out because their general manager, Chris Young, was a pretty successful big league pitcher. And I wouldn't be shocked to see them go after, you know, um, maybe some veteran arms this offseason, somebody like uh, Clayton Kershaw or, um, you know, one of the uh, free agent arms that's going to be out there. So we'll stay tuned. By the time we get back to our show next week, we will know who is facing off in the World Series. Uh, I think this uh, National League Championship Series may go the full seven. These two teams are pretty evenly matched. Both of them had to beat really good teams to get to where they're at. And it just seems like it's going to be a back-and-forth, back-and-forth type of series. Yeah, it definitely does. I definitely feel the Padres and Phillies are going to be back and forth. It's going to be one of those, you know, pick em type series. I, I was kind of hoping that was to be the same with the Yankees and the Houston, but they definitely got to, we got to see tomorrow if they win, if they win. That's a, that's going to be a big determining factor. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to be, make a bold prediction here. I don't think it's really that bold to say this, but I do think tomorrow for New York is a must win. I just don't feel like even if you're playing, even if you're somehow able to play games four and five at home in the comfort of Yankee Stadium in weather that you're more accustomed to, especially late in the year or you know early in the season when it's still kind of cooler out, um, to lose game three, here's what you'd have to go through in games four and five potentially 
Um, Justin Verlander would pitch probably one of those two games if it somehow were to go back to that. And if I am Dusty Baker, you know, I want to, I want to slam the door shut. You know, here's the one thing about Dusty Baker. This is a guy who's managed uh, five clubs in his big league career. He's taken all five of those teams, including Houston to the playoffs, two of which, um, of course, Houston, he took last year and then the giants 20 years ago to the world series, but he's never won. So if I'm him at this point, I want to close this door. I want to shut down the Yankees. And if they win game three, I probably don't pitch Verlander in game four. I save him for game five. Uh, and that puts Houston in the driver's seat, essentially. And it sets them up also for, especially if the NLCS goes to a sixth or seventh game, gives you time to reset your rotation for the World Series. So I think right now um, – cost of the National League, you know, basically such a close matchup, but I think the Yankees are in trouble, and I think um, tomorrow they got to win. No, I agree. As a Yankees fan, they're in trouble. I definitely do think I'm giving them a 30 to 35% chance of winning the series at this point. If they lose tomorrow's game, I'm, I'm saying it's, it's probably a .001% because that record team <laughs> that came back and beat the Yankees four straight, I felt as if it was, was a better team. And the Yankees had a chance to close that series out, and they didn't close out this series. And I knew at that point they were in a lot of trouble. In fact, let's go ahead and bring on another caller. Let's do that now. Welcome to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. How you doing this evening? Hello? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm doing fantastic. How you doing so far this evening? Oh, I can't complain. I just uh, I was watching uh, some uh, NBA, and so I tuned in to Blog Talk Radio because uh, I know that you know just to uh, peruse the uh, sports uh, you know wire on Blog Talk and uh, and lend my my two cents. That's on. You know, just engaged in the discussions you're talking about. So, uh, but I, I figured, you know, you were talking about the you know, Yankees, and I haven't, I haven't watched baseball. And the thing is that I was a baseball fan growing up, being, a, you know, being a Tiger fan. So, but, uh, but yeah. So I caught. I don't even know if I'm on the line, on the air, or in the queue. I, I don't know. You have to, you have to tell me. No, you're on. The, you're all live on the air, and definitely, oh, we're, we're glad to have you. And well, yeah, so I, I, you can. You can call me Star Child. I'm from Detroit, Detroit, the Motor City, and so I had a I had a blog talk radio show, you know, a long time ago. But I was not as popular as it was now. You know, everybody doing podcasting and things like that. But uh, but yeah, but I I mean, you don't have to change the subject for me. Like I said, I don't really follow uh, baseball like I used to, but I am old school. So I mean, you know, I grew up, you know, loving baseball, playing baseball as a kid, watching, you know, watching baseball with my grandfather. You know, my father wasn't too much into sports, but, uh, you know, my grandfather loved baseball. And, you know, I've been, like I said, a diehard, uh, what, you know, Tiger fan ever since the uh, the 84 Tigers. So, you know, but you don't have to change the subject for me, though. <laughs> uh, that's all right. Yeah, we're, we're making... that, was, uh, that was a great team, the 80, 84 Tigers. They uh, started off the year 35-5 and five and ended up beating San Diego yeah, in the World Series yeah, I, that year. I, so. I remember... <laughs> I remember running downtown in Detroit, and, uh, you know, celebrating the Tiger win. You know, that's when, you know, that's when the city, you know, the whole entire city, the suburbs and Detroit, 
you know, came together and was happy that, you know, the Tigers, <laughs> you know, when the Tigers was. <laughs> but I, I, see in the, I see in the tags down here you have, like, you know, NASCAR, uh, NFL, and Christian McCaffrey, I guess, like the latest little trade news as far as NASCAR. You know, I'm I'm African American. I don't pretty much get into NASCAR, but you know, my favorite NASCAR driver was Petty with the Plymouth. You know, with the <laughs> I think we had that light, that light blue was that a Dodge or Plymouth. That's the only NASCAR driver that I ever followed or cared about. You know, much respect to Dale Earnhardt. You know, saying he was a he was a legend. You know, but uh, but yeah, so I'm not too much into NASCAR either. <laughs> but um. But- but yeah, so I mean, so I mean, talk to me, ask me a question. I'm just like I said, I'm just ranting. Like I said, man, I was you know watching the basketball game. I said, let me call in and call it a talk show because usually when you call in, you know, a lot of more popular shows. I mean, you know, they don't take calls and you pretty much don't know, you know, the rundown or the, you know, itinerary. I don't know how long y'all been up and around, but um, but yeah, um, but yeah, but I did have a question. As far as it, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, I was just talking about, you know, the Christian McCaffrey and, uh, and, all, and, and all the news, you know, going around the NFL. But, you know, since, you know, I'm not, I'm long-winded. I can run my mouth, but I'm not going to take over your show. You the host. So, you know, you let me know. <laughs> but I did want to get, ask you an NBA question. What are your thoughts on LeBron? Listen, bro, you got to be careful with Detroit folks. You know what I'm saying? You know how they act. You know, Detroit act. Yeah. You already know. But I did want to get on the man. NBA on the NBA on LeBron James, you know, now encroaching being the all-time scorer in history. What are your thoughts on LeBron maybe getting that record and having the record? Uh, well, as far as LeBron James, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sad to say that you know I'm not really a huge LeBron fan as a basketball player. Now, let me be clear, okay. As a as a person, as an entrepreneur, as, a, as as an athlete, you know he uses his platform enough to you know be somewhat uh, political. Even though I understand that that's not you know some people kind of frown on that, some people don't. But you know that's the same people that used to hate on Muhammad Ali. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? You know <laughs> back in the day they wanted Muhammad Ali to shut the fuck up and box. Okay, and 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 Ali is one of the great. I've met I've met him once when out during a parade in Los Angeles, but I perceive Ali as one of the greatest athletes, pretty much in history on Mount Rushmore. Okay, so wow. with that being said, even though LeBron is a generational phenomenal talent, I don't like the fact when they talk about is he the greatest? You know, is, is Michael Jordan or him the greatest? I don't consider him the greatest because it was like a different time in basketball. And plus, I don't like the fact that they let the players orchestrate the the uh, you know the trading and and being released and and creating you know these uh, you know creating these uh, super teams, if you will. Uh, you know, back in the day, you know, I was I was brought up, you know, you draft and you put the you know put your team together. You know, like the like the ninety, you know, Pistons. You know, just grab some free agents. That's you know, if you got a GM enough that knew what he was doing, you let management uh, 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 run your team. But you know, I don't understand how some of these owners. You know, you can't run this shit in the. I mean, can we curse on your show, brother? I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I, I'm gonna try to keep it that clean. But as far as that, like, you're not gonna have the, you're not gonna do this or get away with this type of uh, behavior in the in the National Football League. 
And I don't know what it is about, you know, the owners being liberal, but, you know, if I, if I own a team and I spent, what, upwards of like $700 million for a basketball team, ain't no fucking body going to come in and tell me what to do, what you want to do. Listen, you signed the contract, bro. If you want to play basketball, cool. If not, you're not fucking Michael Jordan, so bye, goodbye. Okay, uh, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, but as far as LeBron, so I never really, you know, care for him. And so the Lakers being so sorry this year because I've never been a Laker fan. Like I said, I'm a diehard Piston fan, so I didn't like Jordan. I didn't like Magic, even though he was from uh, Lansing, Michigan. I got much love for him. But as soon as he put on the purple and gold, no. Okay, I don't do Boston. I don't do Boston. I don't do Chicago. I don't do L.A. Or New York, other than the Knicks. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, much, much, I hope, I mean, I'm sure he's going to, you know, break the record, but I mean, they're not going nowhere this year with the Lakers because they have no management. They haven't had any management ever since Dr. Buss died and his, his uh, daughter took over. And so, you know, she can really, you know, it's not, it's not something that she's really interested in, I don't think. And it shows, you know, when the Lakers were winning basketball games and put together, they had strong management and they had a fuck, and they had a damn coach. This Darvin Ham and this a uh, 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 Bill Walton, the baby, the Walton Jr. Uh, kid, you know, he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Uh, 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 no one know what they're doing ever since Stu, Stu Jackson left. Okay, so you just can't throw together some would-be talent and think that they can, you know, can perform because you don't know what the hell you're doing. You don't know basketball. You can't have Russell Westbrook and LeBron James on the same floor because they're the same damn person. They're the same pair. They thrive and they thrive and perform the same way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so, so yeah. So that that that's my theory on that, man. I don't, you know. So LeBron is just in it to get his son into the league so he can so he can take his picture with his son if he can somehow. Uh, cajole the Lakers into signing LeBron, you know, I mean, he seems like he's going to be a great player, but, you know, he's going to have his hand sort of like nepotism into bringing, you know, his son into the NBA, whether he's talented enough or not. And so that's what he's playing for and to break Kareem's record, and he'll do that, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's going to break Kareem's record, you know, barring any injury. And I I think um, his son is going to play in the NBA, too. I think that's going to happen too. It's just a matter of time, and and LeBron said he's not leaving until his son Bronny plays in the NBA. So he's already put that out there, you know. So so somebody's going to take him because it'll be great, you know, great marketing and great ticket sales. So some he's going to get an opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. So so that's my take on on LeBron, man. I appreciate that, Starch. Definitely appreciate you joining us here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Any other last thoughts you want to say? No, no. Um, as far as the like, little McCaffrey trade, you know, uh, McCaffrey, he's okay. I think that he's playing out of position. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, two of my last little thoughts on, on, on the NFL and this trade is that I think some of these athletes get caught up in listening to the pundits and the, and the ESPN and the reporters and, and, and the journalists that, that have no clue of what what real sports in, in, is about. Now, I'm not a professional athlete, but when I was younger, I did play all of them, okay? And I, and I know you got to be an exceptional person to play these games. And so I see some of these, like, beasts that played in the NFL, and Christian McCaffrey 
you got to understand, he played in the Pac-10, so he wasn't getting his ass hit like these SEC boys down here that these uh, 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 ham-hocking <laughs> grits and jowl-eating type of brothers down in the SEC, bro. Okay? And the same thing happened, and the same thing happened to Tua. He is, his body is not built, just like RG3. And McCaffrey has had a decent career. He has been injury-prone or whatever, but he's going to get a chance or whatever because, you know, he has that marketability to him, and he's sort of like a unicorn. Not too many white boys running the ball, so he has that appeal. Does that make sense? No, he does. He does have market. Even with him not playing, he has marketability. He, he does. But let me just say this, and and I and I, you know, you seem like you know what you talk about too. So, he reminds me sort of like a a Reggie Bush type of back. That's the capacity that he should be engaged in if he wants to extend his career. Now, if he want to go to San Francisco, and 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 that thing, they need to run him like they did a Roger Craig, make him a third down back, like he's in the, like he was back in the fucking in the uh, uh, Pac-10. Throw him the ball out of in space and stop running him through between the tackles, or he's going to last about two years and be on the shelf. That's my. Well, that's actually a great, great, great idea. Y'all that's actually a great years. idea. I appreciate you letting me on your platform, and y'all be good. I'm out. You too. You have a great weekend. Thank you for calling. Appreciate you. Yeah. Definitely appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, he, he threw the uh, way back name in there, Roger Craig. I haven't heard that name in a long time. He was a great running back, of course, with the 49ers and uh, starred at uh, Nebraska in the late 70s, early uh, 80s, if I remember correctly. So that's a name that we haven't uh, brought up on our program ever. <laughs> yeah. So you never know what you expect on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. But he he did have bring up some great points about Christian McCaffrey. Let me, let me get your thoughts on the, the move to Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. Well, the writing was on the wall and somebody getting him. Uh, look, the Panthers just didn't have the year that anyone thought. Look, I mean, the last uh, two weeks they fired Matt Rule and they've traded away Christian McCaffrey. I would expect more changes to happen probably for them before too much longer. Um, doesn't surprise me. I think maybe that he went to San Francisco was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I would have thought there would have been a little bit more rumors out there. This just kind of came out of the blue in a lot of ways. But look, if you're the 49ers, you're in a division that suddenly is very winnable. Three and three right now is basically the top of the division. So um, I like the move. I think the concern that I would have is, you know, his health. He hasn't been able to stay healthy the last couple of years. That's been a big detriment to Carolina and their running attack. Now, I think that you flip him now to a team that is going to probably use, like, like our caller was just mentioning there, is going to probably use him differently in the system that the 49ers run versus what they ran there in Carolina. I think that could extend his career, and he could be a huge asset to the 49ers going forward. And here's the thing. San Francisco's in a great position, as I just mentioned there before. Suddenly they find themselves, why is it think of it? They're, they're kind of where the Rams were a year ago. They kind of just kind of waited in the weeds, and now they have a chance to kind of jump out there and, and maybe take over and run away with it because right now the Rams aren't playing great. Um, uh, uh, Arizona is in a really bad position in my opinion. And then, you know, Seattle obviously has kind of been uh, rebuild mode. I know they're, uh, are they two and four right now? I think Seattle. Um, so they're not out of it yet, but certainly a couple more losses are going to kind of kick them to the curb. So what are your thoughts on the move? I, I, I was a little surprised you went to San Francisco. What are your thoughts on it? 
I think all of a sudden the 49ers are now they moved up. They they're a threat now because you have Devo Samuel and you have Christian McCaffrey. The biggest thing with Christian McCaffrey is this: the guy's injury prone. Yes, that is true, but when he does play, he's a great back. I mean, he you know he can he's just fast. He's hard to tackle when you have him as as. As Starch mentioned, when you put him out in some space, he can make things happen. And, you know, you, you don't have to be the number one guy. You don't have to be, like, the guy. You can kind of be, like, a secondary or third option because the fact you got Debo Samuel and they have other backs there for the 49ers. So he could be a guy that you insert from time to time, do some load management, give him some plays in space, and, yes, that is an extra weapon that they have. You're right. The Rams are not doing much. The 49ers getting this move. They are saying that we're going to try to make this run to the, to the league. The only teams that I feel that are really stellar right now are the Bills and the Chiefs and the Eagles. So, definitely, the 49ers have a chance to now thrust themselves at 3-3, three and three, making this move. And I think I think they using Christian McCaffrey the right way, inserting him is actually a great thing. He is a guy who's who's familiar with the Bay too, so I think it's I think it's actually a very very good move for Christian McCaffrey and and the Forty ers Yeah, I think it definitely puts them in a, a really good position. And one of the teams you didn't mention in that list there was the Giants. They're five and one right now, so I'd say they're right in that that same upper echelon teams. I know they haven't been there lately, so they're kind of a newcomer to the dance, if you will. Um, but I would say that they're definitely deserving of yeah. that, same type of, that same type of honor uh, that you mentioned about the, you know, the Chiefs and the, um, the Bills and the other clubs you mentioned there previously. Yeah, I, I would say that the Eagles are, are trending on the way up to those, but I, I think those three teams are the top teams in the NFL right now. Eagles, the Bills, and Chiefs. And the and the Giants are right there, like on the cusp of being in, in that group. But I think the 49ers now, their team you have to watch because they're looking really good. And I, you know, Garoppolo is maybe not the world's greatest quarterback, but he plays really well on that team, and he doesn't really he knows how to manage the game. He's not maybe a one of the better elite quarterbacks in the league. But he, you know, as long as he doesn't make too many mistakes, he's actually a very formidable quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that's one of the things that sometimes happens. Uh, you know, a team looks at their quarterback and they say, "Well, you know, he's not a superstar. He's not the top ten or top fifteen quarterback in the league." And that's not always what you need to have. I mean, yeah, it's great to have it. I mean, who, who wouldn't want a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback? But if you have somebody that doesn't make mistakes or doesn't make a lot of mistakes is, you know, able to lead you on, you know, late game winning drives, you know, why fix what's not broken? So I think that sometimes that does happen. Now I do believe too, that when the 49ers drafted Trey Lance a year ago, their intention with him was he is the future of the team. Garoppolo is in his early thirties right now. So his long-term future isn't there like Trey Lance's is. So I think they made the right call there, but it's a very good thing they didn't trade Garoppolo in the offseason like the rules were persistent on saying because they would be in a tough position right now where they, they probably would not have made this trade. 
first and foremost. And secondly, they wouldn't be in the position right now that they're in to potentially take over uh, leading that division. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, they're they're in very good shape. And I just think right now, the way things are going, you can't forget about the 49ers. Absolutely. Very good, uh, very good point there. So um, we'll keep an eye on the NFL. In fact, let's go ahead and go through our picks here tonight. Um, let me pull up uh, what I have here. I got to tell you, Alan, you are catching ground here on me now. Um, <laughs> it was a nine-game lead that I had going into this past week. And due to some just absolutely crazy stuff going on in the National Football League, you're only, I think, three games back at this point. So it's, uh, it's really changed here all of a sudden. You had a four-game uh, pickup here this past week, so we'll see how things go and shape out the rest of the year. Let's start off with uh, last night's game. Of course, uh, I had the Cardinals over uh, the uh, the Saints there. Who did you have in the game last evening? I also had the Cardinals. And props to the Cardinals. I watched that game, and they're, they're actually starting to put things together. Kyler Murray, you know, D-Hop is back. And he looked really good, too. So the Cardinals are starting to catch a little heat there. They kept feeding D-Hop, too. But, yes, I did pick the Cardinals, and and it, it went pretty – you know, this is one of the games that went pretty much as I expected. The Saints were kind of down with some of their defensive guys, and the Cardinals took advantage. A lot of points in that game, uh, 42 to – 34 in favor of the Cardinals. So that's a check mark for both of us there on that one. Um, I'm going to go to the next game here. I'll go right down the list. In fact, Uh, we'll kind of go through these individually. I've got the Falcons as an upset pick over, uh, over the, uh, the Bengals in Cincinnati. And the reason for that, I think Atlanta is, I I really feel that they're going to be a great contender in uh, 2023, 2024. And I think they're starting to show some signs of, what we uh, are maybe seeing of them here early on. I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team or not this year, but I think you're starting to see some signs of, of some really good things that's about to happen there in Atlanta. Who do you have in this one? No, I agree. I do think the Falcons are trending up, and I do feel as if, if the Bucks didn't get that call, the Falcons could have very well won that game against the Bucks, but they didn't. But I just think that the Bengals are starting to – starting to find their stride a bit. I just feel as if they're starting to pick up a little bit of pace. They're starting to show flash of the team last year. So I have the Bengals pulling out a very close win against the, Fal- the, the Falcons. All right. Then we got the uh, 1-4 and four Lions going into Dallas uh, to play the 4-2 and two Cowboys coming off a loss last week there for, uh, for uh, Dallas. I got the Cowboys winning this game. Detroit just doesn't seem like they have enough to, to go into Dallas and win. Yeah, I just think this actually was a t- tough pick for me because the Lions are actually better than their 1-4 record shows. And Dak is first game back, so you kind of don't know how he's going to do because he had a little bit of a break there. But I agree. I just think with the defense the Cowboys have, I think it's going to be a close game, but I do think the Cowboys are going to find a way to pull it out. All right, and then we got a divisional matchup here between the three, two, and one Colts and the three, two, and one Titans. I think this one is going to go to the home field advantage. That's going to be in Tennessee. I've got Tennessee squeaking out a win there on Sunday. 
Yes, I agree. I have the Titans, you know, coming through with Derrick Henry. He's going to – he's starting to show his old self. It's going to be a very good game. You got two powerhouses. You got Derrick Henry on one end, and you got Jonathan Taylor on the other. But I do think the Titans are going to find a way to win the game. I have the Titans winning too. Green Bay, uh, they've struggled the last two weeks in a row uh, against uh, two teams from New York, of course. Um, they're going to go uh, three and three on the road to the Commanders there in D.C. Uh, they're two and four right now. They're coming off a, a big win themselves this past week. I've got Green Bay winning this game. I just I can't see them losing three games in a row. That's not happened in a long time. So I have Green Bay winning this game. You know, this was a tough pick, but I just like, do think the Packers are. They have, they're in a, t- a situation where they got to win a game, and I just think Aaron will find a way to win. So I have the Packers also beating the Commanders. All right, and then you got the uh, the Bucks three and three. A lot of stuff happened in there in Tampa, of course, and then the Panthers. You know they've obviously made some major changes here in the last uh, two weeks or so. Uh, they're one and five. This game's in Carolina, so it might have a little bit cooler weather. Uh, I've got uh, I've got Tampa figuring it out and winning there in Carolina on Sunday. Yeah, I have I have the same. I have the Bucks. In fact, a lock pick. This is a this is a. If the Bucks don't win this game with no Christian McCaffrey on the Panthers now, I, I don't know what to say. So this is really a t- a game where if the Bucks don't get it done, there's something really wrong. I have the Bucks winning this game in a lock pick. I like this next game because it's a battle of a team that has really played well this entire season. The Giants, who are 5-1, and one, um, things are starting to really look good there in New York for them. Of course, the Jets are looking really good, too, by the way, at 4-2, and two, but we'll get to them in a moment. They're going on the road here, the Giants. They're going on the road to play the 2-4 and four Jaguars, who are probably the best 2-4 and four team in the league right now. Jacksonville's probably still a year away from being a real competitor, but I, I got the Giants winning this game on Sunday there in Jacksonville. Yeah, the Giants are really flying high, and uh, they're they're gonna be they're tough to to pick against right now. Jaguars are actually a very good team, as you mentioned. The record doesn't show it, but they are very good. I have the Giants winning this game too. Browns and Ravens. Uh, you get two and four Browns uh, going into Baltimore. Three and three Ravens. Browns just seem like they're kind of just waiting things out until Deshaun is uh, is in the lineup. I, I think their whole season is basically going up in flames though at this point. Uh, I have the Ravens winning this game on Sunday. Yeah, things things have really turned left for the Browns. They were hanging in there in the beginning. They actually were playing pretty good, but things have turned for the worse. I think Lamar Jackson has to win this game. You don't want to have a losing record this late in the season, so I have the Ravens winning. Next game is a game I really think is going to be good, too. I really love what the Jets have done. They have – Really started to build uh, defensively. I got some great offensive pieces there too. They're four and two. I don't think anybody saw this coming um, here in uh, Robert Saleh's second year. They're going into Denver. Uh, probably will be pretty cold out there in Denver on Sunday. The two and four Broncos who are struggling at this point. I have the Jets winning. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's you know as much as I hate to say it, Russell has not been the Russell of, of past, and until I see that Russell. I'm going to be picking the other team. So I have the Jets, too. They're not taking away from the Jets. They're doing very, very good. They've been doing awesome. But I have the Jets winning, too. All right. And then a, a game that um, looks based on the record is not, not to be one that's going to be 
very interesting to watch unless you're in the fan base of Houston or Las Vegas. You have the one three and one Texans against the one and four uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I've got the Texans winning this game. I think it'll be a close matchup, but I, I just feel like right now no one's in thinking in uh, in Las Vegas, and the Texans at least have something going in their favor. They finally got their first win, so I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna pick Houston to win this game on Sunday in Las Vegas. I I feel as if the Raiders are one loss away from just everybody tanking in on the team. But I do think this is going to be the win that they'll need to get going in the right direction. This, to me, is a Raiders must win. So I have the Raiders winning. All right, then you get the 3-3 three and three Seahawks. I was wrong about their record earlier. They're actually 3-3 three and three at this point, not 2-4. and four. As I mentioned before, the Chargers are 4-2, and two, and they're in a division that, you know, obviously they're going to try to chase down uh, Kansas City. But I think this is going to be a really, really good matchup here. I think the Seahawks are going to play very, very strong uh, through most of the game, but I see the Chargers pulling it out late and running away with it there in uh, in Los Angeles on Sunday. Yeah, this was a tough pick for me, too, just because the Seahawks are starting to do a lot better with Geno. The Chargers actually did very good to win that overtime game. But I just feel as if the Seahawks are going to find a way to upset the Chargers. I love what Gino's doing. And I just think that they're going to pull this out. And I have the Seahawks in an upset win. Now, this is where I'm going to kind of throw a curveball uh, to everybody here. This next game is a rematch of the Super Bowl from just a few years ago. you got the Chiefs at 4-2. and two. And they are clicking on all cylinders right now, it seems like, in Kansas City. They are going out to San Francisco. We just went over a lot about them here recently, picking up, of course, uh, Christian McCaffrey from Carolina. 49ers are 3-3. Three and three. I am going to pick the 49ers in an upset on Sunday in San Francisco. I think this matchup, had it been maybe a couple of weeks down the road, I probably would have went with the 49ers because Christian would have got a chance to kind of get fluid with the offense. But the Chiefs are, are to me, are looking so good, clicking all all cylinders, beat the Bills. They're looking very good. I just think that it's maybe a little too soon for Christian to make that big of an impact just yet. So I have the Chiefs winning. All right, then you got the Steelers who upset Tampa Bay this past week. Uh, they're at two and four. Dolphins have lost three games in a row after getting off to a 3-0 and start. I just feel like the Dolphins, especially with Pierce Tua, will start Sunday coming back. They want to get off to a good start here and dominate like they had basically the first three games of the season. So I have the Dolphins winning Sunday there in Miami. Yeah, that's one I, I disagree with. I definitely do think the Steelers did win a very good game against the Bucks. Najee Harris, their running back, started to come around a bit. They seem to pump some life into them with that win, which they should. They beat the Bucks, And I just think that Mike Tomlin, you know, his record is, at, is in jeopardy for him having a losing season. So I, it's, I have the Steelers beating the Dolphins. I just think to his first game back with the Steelers kind of doing, picking up some momentum, I have the Steelers winning. All right, and then uh, final game, which will be Monday night. Uh, it's a rematch of the Super Bowl from 1985, uh, but it will not be the same outcome in my mind. Uh, I have the Bears. Uh, they're at 2-4. and four. 
going into New England to play the 3-3 three and three New England Patriots. This is actually my lock pick this week, and that is the Patriots winning there in Foxborough. They're 3-3 three and three currently. Where are you on this one? I actually agree with you on that one. I do have the Patriots winning. I just think the Patriots are actually starting to make some strides, and they, they actually started moving in the right direction. So I have the Patriots beating the Bears. All right, those are our picks here for week seven in the National Football League here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio podcast. And as always, remember, uh, these are not to be used for making bets. We are not professionals by any stretch of the imagination. However, if you do win a lump sum of money, it is a large lump sum of money. We certainly do take donations, and you can always contact us if that happens. So uh, moving right along here, (laughs) moving right along here, it looks like um, you get some information uh, about Dak Prescott that you wanted to go over here tonight. Yeah, he's he's, going to be playing after – so many games off, you know, Cooper Rush actually did very good in his absence. He only had the one loss. So you did pick the Cowboys. My question to you is, how do you feel Dak Prescott's going to do in his first game back after the thumb injury? Well, I mean, obviously a thumb injury, especially on your throwing hand, is going to be huge and critical because obviously you got to have the thumb to be able to grip the football. Um, so I think the first couple of series, the first couple of passes that he makes, especially under pressure, are going to really determine how well he's going to play in that game. Um, I think he'll do fine. I think there's going to be some rust right off the right, you know, right off the bat. But the good thing for Dallas is they're playing a team in, the, you know, against the, the Lions that, you know, I mean, they're they're one and four. Um, they're a younger team, and you know, new new uh, coaching regime and everything. Uh, I think the second year with uh, who they have now. So this is going to be an interesting game. I think that uh, Dallas should have you know, some leeway in this one, again, because of who they're playing. If they're playing against, uh, you know, Indianapolis or if they're playing against, uh, you know, the Jets, different story, but you're, you're playing against an opponent, and this is the perfect time for Dak to come back, in my opinion. My question to you, though, is this. If Dak struggles or somehow Detroit wins this game and you could point to Dak making mistakes or maybe he's not quite ready to be back, do you flip back over and go back to Cooper Rush and let him start in the future? I don't think you flip. I think if you were going to keep Cooper Rush, then you should have just kept going with him. I don't think it's – if you bring Dak in and he struggles, you really can't bench him just yet because he – hey, the guy hasn't played in a few weeks. He's kind of had to get his reps in. Plus, you played, you just played Dak that big mega contract. So I think with Dak right now, win, lose, or draw, you've got to stick with him and ride him out. I don't think you can make a change back to Cooper Rush once Dak comes back and you named him the starter of the of the week. I don't think you can go back to Cooper Rush that quick. I think Dak is right now ride or die. I I, I agree with that mainly because of the contract part of it. So you're you're absolutely right, and it'll be interesting to see with Cooper Rush. You know, obviously, you know he's probably caught the eye of some other teams out there as a potential you know, contender to be a QB that you trade for, you know, in the off season. So we're kind of seeing that same thing happen, I think, up in New England where um, Bay- is it Bailey Zappi, um, who's the quarterback they've been using up there for the last several weeks uh, while Mac Jones is out. These are two guys that this next off season could be potential trade candidates for other clubs. So we'll see how that plays out and shakes out going forward. Um, moving right along, um, moving away from football and baseball here at this point, um, NASCAR, 
and some drama as um, it certainly uh, caught the attention of even people outside of the uh, world of NASCAR. There was a wreck late in the race uh, this past Sunday um, in uh, in NASCAR, and it was Bubba Wallace who um, got into an altercation not only on the track, but then after the uh, accident was over, uh, rushed over to the other driver and got into a shouting match and pushing match. He ends up getting uh, suspension uh, for that. What are your thoughts on uh, how this went down and how this looks for, for Bubba Wallace going forward? It doesn't look good for Bubba Wallace at all. I really thought Bubba Wallace, to me, acted like a bully. Prior to the altercation, he got bumped, okay? He got bumped, and it, it seemed like – it didn't seem to me with Kyle Larson, that is. It didn't seem to me like it was intentional from Kyle. It just a little bump. Nobody lost control. A little rub bunt. <clears throat> nothing big. Bubba got all mad, and he took him out. You know, he did like a, a police car move. And to me, you know, he mentioned – Starch mentioned – the great Dale Earnhardt Jr., and unfortunately, you know, may he rest in peace, but Dale Earnhardt Jr. went into the wall. Basically, what Bubba Wallace did, he did the same move, except thankfully it was in the grass instead of the wall where Kyle hit. But he wrecked, he, you know, Bubba Wallace, retaliation was very dangerous, and it caused, you know, it caused both cars to wreck. And to me, that was very immature on his part, and he put his ego and pride above winning at that point. So to me, it was very dangerous what he did. And then after what he did, he was just being a bully. He was pushing around Carl Larson, you know, like as if, you know, he. and thankfully Kyle didn't retaliate, but he had every right to defend himself. If Kyle would have started swinging on him, throwing, him, throwing hands, to me, he had every right to throw hands. When you push someone like that, you know what? If the guy decks you or whatever, you get what you's coming to you. You understand? You, you're, you're not allowed to put your hands on people. When you do that, you get knocked out cold. It's on you. Bubba Wallace to me was being a complete bully and jerk. Then after the altercation, when someone interviewed him, he's telling the guy, quit, quit fishing, quit fishing. So he's trying to bully him too. Listen, the guy didn't bait you with a question. He goes, you know, what are your thoughts on, on your retaliation? Which is a fair question because it was you did something right in front of everybody. And you did retaliate. So I thought that was a fair question for you to be telling the guy, don't, you know, quit fishing, quit fishing, quit fishing. Bubba Wallace, as a brother, stop being immature. Stop letting your head get big. Cut it out. You understand? Yes, I know that you got Michael Jordan in your back pocket, but you haven't won anything. You haven't earned anything yet. Stop acting like you people owe you anything. Very mature. Stop acting mature. And not only that, think before you act because what you did was very dangerous, not for you, not just for you and Kyle, but for other drivers there too. I thought the suspension should have been even worse and a fine is what I thought. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Yeah, I think they could have done more because it kind of nips a lot of this in the bud whenever you make an example out of somebody. I agree with you there. Um, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, it, it seems like, and, and, you know, his popularity has shot up, I'd say, the last probably three years or so. And I think, you know, you not a lot of people knew a whole lot about him before 2019, 2020. 
Um, so obviously he's clearly, you know, as far as popularity is concerned, going to the top five NASCAR drivers as far as popularity. And I think a lot of that has unfortunately gone to his head. He didn't act like this uh, three, four, five years ago. And, and this year, this isn't the first time he's had an altercation. This is the worst one, of course. But he's had some other moments, too, that were not uh, glamorous by any stretch of the imagination either. Uh, this certainly takes uh, the, the top uh, as far as the negativity. And the thing you have to be careful about is, you know, NASCAR is paid for by sponsors. You have McDonald's. You have all these other places that are basically signing on to put those stickers and emblems onto your vehicle and onto your team and onto your, uh, you know, your uh, track jacket and everything that you're wearing, your, your uh, driving suit and everything like that. So when these kind of altercations happen, I mean, I guess there's a, in one sense, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity if you're getting some publicity, but at some point people are going to say, I don't like that going on. And this was a, a, a negative thing for, for the sport. And, and the big thing I think about it too, if you watch the, the video of, altercation outside of the car Kyle Larson is trying to walk away and Bubba Wallace just keeps on following him and shoving him and pushing him and yelling at him and you know it just it, it doesn't look good uh, I think that's the, the best way to say it I mean look if if Larson had and in some respects rightfully gotten you know defensive he would have had every right to do that and maybe none of this would have turned out the way that it did maybe both drivers could suspend it who knows um, but I think this was definitely a um you know, a low mark, and hopefully he learns his lesson and doesn't do this again. But you're you're right too. He kind of gave a, a you know half apology, and then he kind of you know he, he like you said he bullied the the reporter who was asking him the question. So it doesn't doesn't look like he's uh, learned anything yet, and hopefully he has, and in the future he doesn't go to this extreme again. No, I agree. I mean, he definitely needs to re- he needs to turn things around. And that I agree with you a thousand percent. That apology was a lame PR Bush League of an apology. You know, if you're going to do an apology, do it right. That was not even your words, and it wasn't even really that good of an apology. You were wrong. Stop. You ride race cars, not the high horse. Get your head. You're starting to act like you know you're drifting out in in sunset. And you're acting like you're all of that. Like, get back down to earth, focus on winning, drink some, eat some humble pie, and let's go, man. Let's cut out the nonsense. Yes, you got McDonald's. Yes, you got Jordan. This is where you have to kind of fight through that and go ahead and get humble pie. Because at the end of the day, you could have Jordan. You could have a whole NBA team. People are going to look at you for what you have done on the race car and wins. You've got to start winning. Yeah, no, that's the bottom line is uh, is that part of it. Popularity doesn't really mean anything if you're not winning, in my opinion. So that, that's the name of the game right there is, uh, is getting those wins. So, well, another great night of uh, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk podcast. Before we go here tonight, I know you had some new boxing news and your analysis of last weekend's boxing fight down. Go ahead with those tonight. Yeah, I definitely wanted to go ahead and say first and foremost that I'm very disappointed and Terrence Crawford, because to me, he flat out ducked the Errol Spence fight. There's no way to put it around that. You had a great opportunity to fight him, and you basically didn't sign the contract. They gave you everything that you asked for and then some. So it really wasn't a money thing. You just didn't want to fight the guy. You know, you have a fear of success. 
but yet you want to be clouded as the guy who's number one. The only way we're going to know if you're number one is if you beat number one. And like I said it before, I predicted this. I predicted that this fight was not going to go into fruition, but I also, more importantly, did predict, regardless of the way that this fight is off now, I did predict Spence to win the fight. So, obviously, Terrence thought that Spence could win the fight too, and that's why he didn't fight him. I really thought this was really a Bush League move on Terrence Crawford and very disappointing. He's fighting someone else instead, and I'll get you guys that the name of that boxer who is not one of the top guys in the welterweight division. Like, if you didn't fight the number one guy, you should have fought number two or three. I don't even know who you're fighting as far as his stats or who he, what he's doing because that's how far down the list you went. And you can't tell me that this is a tune-up fight because at the end of the day, yes, you fight this guy. Now Errol's probably going to fight someone else too, and guess what? We're going to be back in this cat-and-mouse game again. We all know that you're not going to fight him because you're scared. So stop being a duck. And then as far as last week, I did want to give Brock Jarvis, who was on our show, I wanted to give him his props for fighting Para. And he, he unfortunately lost in the first round with a vicious knockout. I hate to say this, but I kind of saw this coming. I just, I just felt like Brock needed to kind of fight someone between Lara instead of going in and fighting that, you know, coming up in weight and fighting a guy that good. I thought it was kind of too big of a pill to swallow. And I, it didn't, I had bad vibes of him taking this fight. And then watching the pregame, the interview prior to it, to, to the fight, the amount of confidence his opponent had in beating Brock let me know that they basically targeted Brock and were going to make an example out of him, and that's exactly what they did. So keep your head up, Brock. You know, you got bigger fights coming up. I know this was a tough loss. It was, you know, pretty devastating, but I know you'll be back. Keep your head up. I just felt as if, it was a little bit too big of a pill to swallow. I really did. And then also we had the fight that happened, the Cambosis and Haney fight. I did predict Haney to win. This is part two. I just feel as if Haney was pretty much like the first fight, but it was more competitive, I felt. But I, I just feel as if Haney has just got too much skill for Cambosis more than anything. He's just got too much height and length, and that just creates a problem for Cambosis, a tough matchup for him. If they fought again next week or two weeks from now, I still think Haney would win. It might be closer, but at the end of the day, you know, Haney, the better man, won. And also wanted to give props to all the female fighters. I did want to say Michaela, who had a fight too and she lost, you know, keep your head up as well. You know, sometimes in a fight game, you could think that you want to fight, but unless it's a slam dunk, it really sometimes don't go the way you expect it. So keep your head up. I know that you want bigger fights. I hope you get them because you deserve it. Of it. You're a great champion. Talk about Michaela Mayer and keep your head up. Bigger fights that are coming. But definitely that is what I have for the the boxing analysis. But I definitely did want to also say 
Liam Paro, you know, great, great win. You know, that I just think um, I thought Brock fought someone before he fought Paro, but he didn't. But you'll get him next time, Brock, man. You, you're the man. You, you're the man. You're going to get him next time. you got a lot of people supporting you. Keep your head up high and go on to the next one. All right, well, good stuff there on the boxing here this evening. As uh, always, you are, of course, our show's boxing expert. So, a great evening here tonight. Uh, thank you to our listeners and our callers, of course, for calling in. We're certainly happy to have you on. Uh, to our great sponsor, Chef Cheese Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. Uh, we've had an enjoy, uh, enjoyable show here this evening. We'll be back again next week as uh, next week we'll be talking about the World Series. So, uh, for Lou, and for Alan, this is Aaron signing off. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.